Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Social Selling, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. We always say it, we always mean it, because this is where the best run. So there. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I have a quote from the MarTech series. It's a business publication dedicated to helping marketers get more from technology. And here's the quote. Listen up. Almost every single social media platform is beginning to leverage AI, that's artificial intelligence, in some medium or another. So let's just let that sink in. So a couple of buzzwords, keywords here, social selling, social media, platform, and AI. So what are we talking about today? I don't know if it's breaking news, but I'm just going to say it is. Artificial intelligence technology is penetrating every aspect, every corner of B2B sales today, including the domain of social selling, and that's what this series is dedicated to. What's the big deal? It has the potential to disrupt your strategies, your selling techniques. But if you're not there with your toe in the water or all the way into the pool, it could be a serious disadvantage to your ability to conduct sales in the digital environment. But here's a reality check, and we're talking to you as individuals, as consumers, as people, not just as social selling gurus or salespeople. When you make a phone call or when you are interacting with somebody online, do you, can you tell if it's a human or a robot? Well, there was a big debate going on at SAP on my team about six months ago. Somebody was getting an answer on a website, and they weren't sure. And these are very, very, very smart people in technology and in marketing. And we had a debate on the quality of the answer. Was it a robot or a human? It was so good, it sounded human, it was a robot. So we have a panel of experts today. They're going to debate. We're going to discuss, explore, but we're also going to debate if AI, in all of its various formats, will have a positive lasting impression on social selling or is it just a flash in the pan, a trend, a fad? Is it here to stay? Will we always be able to tell with whom we are, quote unquote, speaking in social sales? So welcome. Thrilled to have you on board today. Thank you very much. We have three panelists. Let me tell you who they are. Uh, First up, we have Kirsten Boyleau. We'll be talking to her in a minute. She's at SAP. She is a social selling guru and she is the sponsor of this series. Happy to have her. Joining her today will be Mike Orr and Mike is with Grapevine 6 and rounding out the panel is Sherelle Robinson Brown also at SAP. So let's get started with the opening quotes. We have some really good ones here for all of you. We have to do a quick shout out to Perry Van Beek at Social One who is supposed to join us today and he fell ill so he's not able to join us but Perry thank you for all the preparation work. We appreciate it. So Kirsten Boyleau is going to give us a quote from Mario Andretti. Those of you who don't know who he is, he's still around, born in 1940. I call him a kid. He is one of only two drivers 
in addition to Dan Gertie, who has won races in Formula One, IndyCar, World Sports Car Champion, and NASCAR. He also won races in midget cars and sprint cars, the only person to be named U.S. Driver of the Year in three decades. Let's just leave it there. He's a champion. Here's the quote. If everything seems under control, you're just not going fast enough. Kirsten, how are you today? I am doing very well, Bonnie. Thank you. Yourself? Uh, well, thank you for asking. We're bracing for the impact of Hurricane Florence here in North Carolina, but that's a whole other topic and we won't take up the show, but today is going to be a good normal day. So thank you for asking, Kirsten. Kirsten, I love the quote from Mario Andretti, and it, it just seems so interesting to me talking about being in control and whether you're going fast enough or not. We're talking about AI and the impact current long-term, short-term, fad, trend, here to stay on social selling. So why don't you give us a clue how this quote applies, please? Sure. Actually, when I was reading this quote for the very first time just a few minutes ago, I kind of went, (laughs) I I laughed to myself and went, oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You're just not going fast enough if everything seems like it's under control. Uh, And I think that absolutely applies to AI and honestly any kind of new technology that comes into our world these days. Uh, You just have to expect that it's it's not going to take years to Mm -hmm. to to be adopted into the general practice. It is we as a um, as a culture adopt technology very quickly these days. Uh, it was just last year um, we got started talking about AI being kind of, um, you know, this new kid on the block kind of thing. And this year, AI is everywhere. It is in everything that you do, everything you see, everything you hear. AI is there. Kirsten, have you ever had the opportunity to scratch your head and say, wait a minute, was that a person? Was that a robot? Because the response was so good. Has that happened to you yet? I wouldn't say that's happened to me yet. Most of the robots, or at least that I know of, um, I haven't had that experience. What I have seen, though, is uh, companies being very open that this is a, a bot that you're talking to. Um, and, uh, that, you know, they make it some sort of joke or, or some sort of icon to show you that you are talking to a bot. Um, and if you want to talk to a real person, here's the option. Now, I have seen that, but I haven't seen, I don't, not that I know of anyway, where I've gone, mm, I'm not sure that's a bot or a person. I'm not sure. Okay. Well, it was very interesting. And I, first of all, I have to give a disclaimer to our listeners around the world. Kirsten said she just saw the quote a few minutes ago because she is stepping in for Perry Van Beek, who I mentioned is ill, and we're sending a good get well wishes to Perry. But Kirsten uh, said, as she always does, I'll, I'll take the spot. We needed our third panelist, and she's always ready to talk about this because this topic is her passion. So that's why she said... I didn't really pick the quote, but I sure love it. So that's where that's coming from. And we appreciate it, Kirsten. Just a quick question for you before we move on, on to uh, Mike or Grapevine 6. Is social selling, the, the technologies, the strategies, the knowledge base, the the skill sets? And we talk about this all the time on your series because we have people who do this this training for a living, including you. Is it moving so fast? fast that it's like a whoosh it's just changing as we're speaking or is it is it at a plateau right now the art and skill and science of social selling in terms of the training itself i would say it's still on the ramp up um people are we've kind of hit that tipping point and and people are are still um 
investing in the training side of it. I don't think we've hit that plateau of training yet. Where I do see um, massive change all the time is in the actual way that it is delivered or in terms of the tools. The tools and the platforms that we use for social selling change all the time, every day. And so it's, it's very hard to keep up with um, the new features and functions that are available to us. Thank you very much. That's what I was looking for. Appreciate it, Kirsten. <clears throat> While I clear my Tuesday morning throat here, and let's turn to Mike or Grapevine 6, and we'll find out a lot more about Mike in a little while. And Mike has picked a namesake of his. I don't know if there's any any uh, familiar relationship, but Mike has sent us a quote from Bobby Orr. Mike Orr, Bobby Orr, O-R-R, get it? Yes, we do. Uh, Bobby Orr, Robert Gordon Orr, O-C, is a Canadian former professional ice hockey player, one of the greatest hockey players of all time. He played in the NHL. National Hockey League for 12 seasons. He holds the record for the most points and assists in a single season by a defenseman. He won a record eight consecutive Norris trophies as the NHL's best defenseman and three consecutive Hart trophies as the MVP, most valuable player, inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 1979 at age 31, the youngest person at that time. And he's called one of the 100 greatest NHL players in history. So here's another champion. We're quoting him. There are no environments where you're only going to win because life just isn't like that. Mike Orr, welcome. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Thanks for joining us. Tell me about this quote. I love it. Another sports quote. Bobby Orr, go ahead. Yeah, well, I'm Canadian, so I had to pick a hockey player, and uh, I think Gretzky's uh, a little overquoted, so I thought I'd go with Bobby. Um, I like his style in that uh, he was he was a defenseman, but he won a scoring trophy, and uh, that's kind of my relationship to AI in this quote, is that you have to take chances to win. Uh, he recognized you weren't always going to win, um, but also the fact that he was a defenseman, because I think when we start combining AI and social selling, there's some risk there. And uh, going back to what Kirsten said, trust is really critical in any of that sales process, especially in social. Um, so where people are identifying that, hey, you're talking to a bot, um, that's what they're trying to do is preserve that trust. So there's a both sides of it. I hope we get into today a little bit of the opportunity as well as the, you know, the defensive side. Yeah, we certainly will. Have you ever had that, op- that experience, Mike, or where you weren't sure if you were talking to a human or a bot? Uh, certainly, yeah, because the bots are getting better, bigger, uh, better every day, and uh, yeah. I, I think usually it was a human, but I wasn't sure because the responses were so short. Yep, and sometimes they're very human, aren't they? they <clears throat> excuse me, they just sound like a real person. They sound like something a well-trained uh, response person, a customer service rep, somebody would really, really say. I, I find it fascinating the fact that we have to have a debate with ourselves as would I, if I respond, what will they say back if they're not human? It's like talking to Alexa in the morning. I ask her questions and I'll say, she'll give me an answer and I'll say thank you and she'll say, you bet or no problem or I'm here for you. And I'm saying, is, is there a person in that? Talk to, to uh, there, any of those yeah. voice response when they're talking to Google or Alexa. It's funny the questions they come up with and the responses that come back. 
Absolutely. It makes you makes you wonder about our own humanity and whether we're well-trained or not, whether we would say the same. Sometimes I'll talk back to her and say, what do you mean no problem? I asked you. Of course it's not a problem. Of course you have the answer. I get into these debates with Alexa, and at that point she doesn't answer back. Thank you very much, Mike. We have a lot to talk with you about today. And now let's bring up our third panelist, welcoming back Sherelle Robinson-Brown at SAP. And Sherelle has sent us a quote from C.S. Lewis. I didn't know his full name. Clive Staples Lewis, 1898 to 1963, British poet, novelist, academic, medievalist, philosopher, and it goes on, literary critic, essayist, lay theologian, broadcaster, lecturer, and Christian apologist, best known for the Chronicles of Narnia, and these were his among his works of fiction, The Screwtape Letters and The Space Trilogy. I'm going to leave it there. He has a very, very long list, and in 2013, on the 50th anniversary of his death, he was honored with a memorial in Poets' Corner in Westminster Abbey. Now, that sounds like a very important honor. Here's the quote Sherelle has selected from C.S. Lewis. Quote, friendship, it's a long quote, but I'm just going to get to the nugget of it. Friendship is born at the moment when one man says to another, what, you too? I thought that no one but myself. Sherelle, very interesting quote. How are you today? I'm very good, Bonnie, and I hope you stay safe in the storm. You're a dear. Thank you so much. Me, me too. I'm heading to Best Buy right after the show to see if I can find a backup uh, battery for my iPhone. That's the most important tool I need. So, Sherelle, tell me, are you a big fan of C.S. Lewis? Have you read the Chronicles of Narnia? And how did you pick this fascinating quote? Go ahead. Absolutely. Um, I am a big fan of the Chronicles of Narnia, especially the cartoon back in the 70s. Um, the reason why I picked this quote is because I thought that it was a sort of a caveat off of the connection between AI and HI, which is human interaction, as I refer to it. Um, and the difference between having something artificial um, not being able to make a connection with you and the human interaction being able to make a connection with you. Um, so that's why I picked this quote for this particular segment. Very interesting. And and have you ever had that conundrum of am I talking to a real person or a really personable bot? Um, yes, I have. Uh, sometimes chatting with Verizon, trying to get some technical support or chatting with some other big corporation and you find out that this is not really a human after you ask for a number or ask or request for them to call you back. It frustrates me a little bit, and I have not yet delved into the realm of having Alexa in my home, but I do use Siri on my iPhone, so I guess it's almost the same thing. It almost is the same thing. Thank you very much, Sherelle, and welcome back. Kirsten, let's circle around to you, and we have the usual three questions. Number one, where are you calling from today? I think we already know that. Number two, what's your favorite drink right now, this moment in the whole wide world, that powers you to be who you are, Kirsten Boylow, and you are a powerhouse in social selling. We know that. And number three, what's new in your role? Go ahead, Kirsten. Sure. So I'm calling from kind of cloudy but warmish. Um, Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. So just down the road from Mike, not too far, but in Norway. And um, what am I drinking? Well, what am I drinking right now is uh, my Orange Pico uh, Tetley brand tea. Uh, it pretty much powers my day. I drink about four pots of tea a day, not cups, but pots of tea a day. Oh. And um it is the orange pico tetley is probably my pretty much my go-to one i I do really like earl gray tea though too as well Mm -hmm. but i tend not to drink it at home i'm working out of my home office today 
Um, and what's new in my role? Well, um, beyond social selling, I also cover uh, localization um, as a topic, um, localization of marketing content, campaign content. And that is a huge, huge topic, and it, it's been a lot of fun getting to know that topic and learning more about what it means for us as a global economy uh, to localize content so that everyone can access it. Question for you, Kirsten, before I move on to Mike Orr. In terms of localization, are there nuances in social selling? We, we know that in sales uh, in general, yes, we know that you need to know the culture of the person to whom you're speaking. If there are any norms, it face-to-face. It's do you shake their hand with the right hand with the left hand? Do you let them go into the lunch lunch restaurant first ahead of you? How do you do a proper toast? There are cultural norms that you need to know to be polite and respectful. So, I, I, I think we need to do a whole show on this, Kirsten. This sounds interesting to me. Uh, the nuances in social selling. How do you know if, if a cultural comment hits with the audience if you're looking at a broad brush target audience on social? Any quick insights on that before we move on? I think you have to know your audience. Know the connect people that are connected to you, the people that are following you, and understand them first before you can make any judgments one way or the other, and then be able to engage in the, the most appropriate manner. Uh, I think there are some norms that go across the board. Um, essentially, being polite and respectful goes across the board. So those kinds of things. Um, when it comes to that more one-to-one interaction, that becomes a little bit more culturally relevant, I believe. But um, looking at it from a bigger picture, you know, just in terms of how you interact on social, being polite and respectful uh, and always adding value, those are the things that I think cross across, uh, go across all lines. Thank you very much, Kirsten. Good answer. And now let's go to Mike Or Mike, uh, we know a little bit about where you may be, but if you want to give us any specifics, where are you today? What's your favorite drink that powers Mr. Mike Orr to come up with great quotes like the one from Bobby Orr? And what do you do? Tell us a little bit about Grapevine 6. We've had one of your colleagues on one of our shows recently, but what's your role there and what's it all about? Great. Uh, so, yeah, I'm in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Um and my drink drink of choice to talk about today is uh, a bit of a story. I just finished renovating my basement and found some wine I had intentionally forgotten down there. Uh, I bought these wines when my son was born 10 years ago to enjoy uh, with him later at some point. Uh, so I had intentionally forgotten them. Uh, so I'm sampling them to make sure they're still good, but uh, I'm trying to forget the rest for a few more years. <laughs> Very delicately put. I appreciate that. Especially the mention that your son is 10. You've got a ways to go to enjoy them with him. So, Mike, what is your, any particular wine of your favorite of the cash you've saved? Any favorite one? Uh, I think they're all pretty good. They're, uh, they're from Bordeaux from uh, 05 uh, Vintage, which apparently was pretty good. So I'll let you know how the sampling goes when, uh, when I get through a few of them. We would appreciate that, that. and you can even do it on the air. So tell me, what what is Grapevine 6? What do you do, and what's your role there? Great. Grapevine 6 is a, uh, it's a social selling uh, enablement platform. Uh, we provide, using AI, uh, relevant content for each individual salesperson to build their brand. So when you talk about localization and really connecting with your specific network, um, we find from all the thousands of pieces of content that were published, what are the ones that are most meaningful for your network? 
that you should be posting and starting conversations about. Um, and we do that with, uh, with also some, some risk management partners to uh, ensure that uh, any of the compliance issues, especially in financial services, are dealt with when you're dealing on social networks and trying to sell. Um, I run the operations group. I'm one of the co-founders. And uh, the last six months, I would say, my main focus has been scaling up the operations uh, and uh, recruiting and hiring more people, which is another whole AI application. I'm sure. Mike, how did you come up with the name? Grapevine 6. Why the 6 in Grapevine? What, I heard it through the Grapevine, an old an old uh, rock and roll song, the idea of connecting yeah, with people. <laughs> it ended up being a, a good uh, a good relation. Uh, there was actually five co-founders, um, and we chose ah. the name uh, Grapevine 6 because we wanted the customer to have the sixth seat at the table whenever we were making any major decisions. And, uh, and we came up with the idea of sitting under a grapevine in one of the founders' backyards uh, in, in Toronto here. So that was how we put the whole thing together. That is very clever. I've never quite heard. It's, it's actually poetic what you just shared with us. Very interesting. Thank you very much, Mike Orr. Pleasure it's to have you on. wine involved as well. I'm sure there was. Yeah, you mentioned sitting under the grapevine. We don't know what those grapes were, what, what what was hanging off of the grapes. Probably a couple of good bottles. I'm glad you had a good time. Sherelle Robinson-Brown, again, pleased to have you back. Sherelle, where are you today? What's your favorite drink? I know you're also very powerful in your role. And what, do you, what have you been up to? Go ahead, Sherelle. So I am as uh, gloomy and as warm as Kirsten. I feel like I'm almost in Canada, but I'm in Pennsylvania near mm-hmm. Newtown Square. Our home, I'm in my home office today, um, but one of our main offices are, is in Newtown Square, Pennsylvania. So um, we're teetering between really rainy, cold weather and really rainy, warm, humid, unbearable weather. So that's what I'm doing there. Um, for my drink, uh, smoothies have been powering my day lately as I'm on a quest to become a fully vegan. So um, today I'm drinking, (laughs) today I'm drinking avocado, apple, banana, mango with dates and ginger to spice it up a little bit. And it's very good. Uh, And banana as well. So I keep all of the fruit frozen. So it's a nice, cool, refreshing smoothie. And it's so delicious. Wow. Do you add any juice or any milk to it? Any other any other uh, products to loosen it up a little bit? Or is it just pure frozen fruit blended? Um, no, I, I add some filtered water in there. And sometimes I'll add coconut milk or some kind of other plant-based milk. But today it's just water. And again, the dates and the ginger really sweeten it up and give it a real good kick. Well, wow, that's a good recipe. That's a new one for us here on Game Changers. Thank you, Sherelle. I'm uh, making a mental note when I get the transcript for this show. I'm going to put that on my shopping list. Thank you very much. I have about half of those ingredients in the house, but I'm missing a few key ones. And what have you been up to in your role in social selling, Sherelle? So lots of good things, as Kirsten is my manager. Um, lots of excitement in social selling at SAP. Um, we're, virtuing, um, we're venturing into the virtual training realm, whereas we try to do a lot of our trainings in person uh, with time and travel restrictions. They're just, um, we just had to embrace the virtual training of social selling end users. So that's really exciting. I've been working with some awesome folks in the regulated industries departments and they're really um, on board with this. So that's exciting. Again, enablement tools, gamification, e-learning, 
and executive branding, getting our leadership team so comfortable and connected with social selling that they're top of mind, both internally within SAP and then externally within the industry. And we want to be so into the social selling that it's our sixth sense. So kind of a caveat off of the number six with the grapevine six. Um, <laughs> you pulled that one out of thin air. I was just about to pounce on it, and you beat me to it, Sherelle Robinson Brown. So <laughs> you know I'm, I'm listening. I'm always hearing things I can use to, to uh, keep the conversation going. That was, that was a beautiful one. I appreciate that. Very, very interesting, Sherelle. Thank you so much for joining us. And I have to do a, a mm-hmm. shout-out to your colleague and and uh, Kirsten's colleague, Michael Ann Labati, who was also invited to join us but was busy today. So I think he's listening, and thank you very much, Michael. So we're going to take a quick break, but our topic is very timely. Whether you're in sales, whether you're in social selling, B2B, B2C, whatever it is, we're all coming up against this thing called a bot, artificial intelligence, beings, quote-unquote, that talk to us, talk, quote-unquote, to us, with us, at us, and we're not sure who or what they are. What's the role of artificial intelligence in the domain of social selling, which is moving very, very quickly? We've got a panel of three experts. They're all very, very interesting people. Separate from being experts, we have Kirsten Boileau at SAP, Mike Orr at Grapevine 6, love the way the name came together, and Cheryl Robinson-Brown also at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We're going to take a quick break. The pause that refreshes. I hope you have that vegan shake all ready to go and have a couple sips there, Cheryl. We'll be right back. So don't even think of touching that mouse. That app, that dial, you know we'll be back. Aaron out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Social media is taking sales organizations by storm. And only those who adapt quickly into the new digital world will be around in the future. Social selling is a concept that has implications to all lines of business. From building the fundamentals in the sales process and getting the content marketing mix right, to building cross-functional teams and ultimately changing the way buyers and sellers engage in a digital world. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how social selling is changing the world of business. Changing the Game with Social Selling is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Changing the Game with Social Selling, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Changing the Game with Social Selling. Yes, indeed. We're back with Changing the Game with Social Selling. And what's changing the game right now? It's AI, artificial intelligence, human or a bot. How do we integrate this into the social selling art and science? Speaking today with Kirsten Boyleau and Sherelle Robinson-Brown, both at SAP and Mike Orr at Grapevine 6. We're ready to start our roundtable in earnest. And here is where Kirsten told me she'd like to start. Let me read a little bit. Then Kirsten will jump in, expand it. Then we'll invite Mike and Sherelle to comment. So here's the 
Here's the notation. AI will help sales professionals find clients and customer insights. Then it's up to them to apply that knowledge through hyper-personalization. Wow. Kirsten, expand for us, please. Well, if you think about how AI gathers data and and pulls all those data points together and presents you with this um, overall story of a, a particular topic or a person or, in, and hopefully in this case, your buyer, um, is, is combing all of the different data points that are out there and available everywhere we go. I think we've talked about there being our data crumbs or the data cloud that we create mm-hmm. um, that, uh, you know, where AI is drawing all of those data points from and, and making predictions as to what we might do next or where our, ne- where our thoughts might be heading or where our, so not our, but our, our buyer's thoughts might be heading, where our buyer's uh, intentions might be going. But then it's up to the sales uh, person to take a look at that and really make it um, an effective customer experience for that person. That person has been out there doing all kinds of different um, investigations of their own, talking to people, having conversations on social, reading things, downloading things. Now you have this this understanding, this kind of 360 view of, hopefully 360 view of who this person is and what what they're uh, what they're they've been they're interested in, and then being able to say okay. So this is this is what we know about this person. How can I take that and then help move them through the cycle um, by providing them with content that makes the most sense for where they're at, what their interests are. How do I make it so it's very targeted towards their particular industry or their particular line of business or their particular role within the company, and even um, looking at attitudinal. Uh, segmentation. So, is there is there a kind of a trend among um, these uh, this role or, or this kind of person in this kind of business uh, about the attitude that they have towards our company? And and it could be any company; it doesn't necessarily have to be SAP. But then mm-hmm. using that information to say, okay, how can I approach if someone has an X Y Z attitude? How do I approach that and make sure that I'm not being being overbearing or not too soft? You know how do how can you um, leverage all of that information, and it, it becomes that salesperson's responsibility to do that. And I think that's where um, you're going to see uh, the sales reps that can do that effectively um, and with a lot of success are the ones who are going to be here. You know, yeah. five ten years from now. Very interesting. Are they going to get worn out in the next five to ten years with all of this this movement going on, Kirsten? I'm, I'm wondering. Somebody says, "Yeah, I've been doing this for twenty years. Now we're in social selling, and I plan to be around in ten years." Just a, a quick personal note. What do you think? Oh, I think they're going to have to be excited. They're going to have to be excited yeah. about the changes that are coming and passionate about them in order to embrace them. Because, as we talked about earlier, things move so fast. And, and are adopted so quickly. If you're not excited about being um, on that fast track and, and feeling slightly out of control, then um, you're probably not going to be here in 10 years. Thank you very much. Reality Check with you. Mike Orr, Grapevine 6, love to have your thoughts on what Kirsten shared. Agree or disagree, Mike? I agree. I, I think it's an important, um, important distinction to make between the application of AI uh, to help a salesperson and the application of AI to replace a salesperson. And 
really the value that the salesperson brings is that um, that that authentic hyper personalization, if you want to call it that. It's especially in social. It is. Uh, it needs to be an individual um, to being authentic that really creates a relationship and trust with the other side. So the uh, the AI can be applied to help um, provide the information and knowledge uh, that salesperson can use. That now it would take them, you know, maybe a whole bunch of conversations or a lot of searching to find the relevant content and to uh, understand what the insights are that they can leverage. They can do that a lot quicker with AI, but it's still at the end of the day going to be a salesperson that delivers that information because mm-hmm. um, as part of these relationships, you have to have an, you know, a trust uh, that's developed over time. Thank you very much. Sherelle, join us. Thoughts? I completely agree with both Mike and Kirsten. I just want to also add that um, AI will not replace um, the human interaction. It's, mm-hmm. loose, it's, it's not loosely, but very closely connected to social selling. That always-on paradigm comes directly from AI. We don't have enough time in a day to do everything we need to do on different social channels. So that's where AI provides the remedy. It curates and delivers content to our audience, but the advances in AI and predictive anal- analytics are going to offer us the opportunity to micro-target our customers and potential customers. We know what their activity is. We know what groups they're a part of. We know the different conversations that they're having. Um, We know what their challenges are. So that's just going to be an opportunity for us to evolve and create a human solution that will address those challenges. AI is going to help us with the digital piece, but the customer experience piece requires the level of personalization and humanization that artificial intelligence cannot do. So the purpose, the value, and the fulfillment are only going to come from humans. Um, so I, I just think that the partnership between AI and human intelligence is, is game-changing. Thank you very much, Sherelle. Kirsten, you want to wrap this one up? Anything you'd like to add and comment back to Mike and or Sherelle, please? Sure. Yeah, I, I wanted to, to pick up on what uh, Sherelle was saying about human intelligence, and, and she's hit it right in the head, but uh, you know, AI can only do so much. It's not going to live our lives for us. It's not going to have those human interactions for us. We do need to, as human beings, as salespeople, as um, uh, you know, as, as companies, we need to to still drive forward. Use the information that we're given um, to drive the best customer experience. But we do need to have those human interactions. It, it, they are required at some level. And not on the, I mean, if you're just going out there and buying a $5 item, no. I, I don't mm-hmm. want to be, I don't want to have to talk to someone. But you're talking about millions of dollars in, in a sale. I, I'm, I'm not willing to risk that uh, on, on, a, um, on a bot, <laughs> on someone that I can't have a conversation with and build a relationship with. And so it, it will always come back to, to, to those uh, relationships, always. Interesting. Very interesting. Thank you. Mike Orr, I'm looking at your notes. There's so many places I'd love to go. I just want to read one sidebar here, just a statistic, and then I'll get into where I'd like to take us. But you say, to discover how AI will transform sales, look at where it's been successful in other applications. According to angel.co, that's .co, there are 2,200, more than 2,200 artificial intelligence startups 
and more than 50% of those have emerged in just the last two years. So AI is definitely not a trend. If it is, a lot of people are going to fall flat on their take a belly flop, but I don't think that's it. So, uh, Mike, I'm going to give you a choice. I don't usually do this, but there are so many places to go. Number one, you say one of the areas we see AI being most successful in is risk management. Would you like to go there, Mike? Sure. I think it, it's, a, it's part of the conversation that doesn't get enough coverage. Yeah. So Yes. Go ahead. Talk to I me. Think, yeah. Uh, and um, it, it, is a, it is a big shift in the way that uh, sales are engaging with their buyers. Uh, and it's not just a shift in the technique. It's a shift in the, in the media. Um, so it's, it's no longer phone calls that um, were kind of conversations between two people that were quickly forgotten or uh, were at least not recorded. Uh, and it's not emails anymore where those were at least private conversations between two people. Um, in social selling, a lot of the conversation can happen in a much more public domain, and there's risk associated with that. There's mm-hmm. risk to your brand. There's risk to um, it, it can maybe even regulatory risk that uh, that comes into play. And this is taking off of an, on the on the quote where we we're trying to play solid offense and score a lot of goals, but we need to remember that we got to play defense as well. And we need to have the right policies uh, in place. But one of the interesting things we've seen in social selling is the use of AI to manage risk. Um, so we can not only monitor all this activity and conversations to find buying opportunities and selling opportunities, but we can also identify where there's been a security breach or where there's been a, a compromise of the brand and take action at scale, which is one of the big gaps in a lot of the social programs I've seen. Very interesting. And when you say at scale, you're talking about the, the the speed of the communications, the massive output you put something on social, and thousands of people could see it instantly. So when you're talking about scale, you're talking about the the size of the audience scaling or the opportunity to sell to more people at the same time. Well, just define scale for me, please, Mike. Yeah, there's, there's really two different ways that it scales. One is um, on the corporate side, when you talk about uh, a corporate social media property, those that are going to have huge audiences, um, like the SAP you know, Twitter accounts, uh, are going to have large audiences, so there's a lot of uh, exposure there. Then you talk about salespeople, you may be talking about thousands of people in the field talking to thousands of connections each. Um, that becomes hundreds of thousands of you know, connection points uh, where conversations are happening that it's very difficult to monitor and manage, right? For a, for your either your compliance group or your risk management group or whoever is responsible for that oversight, you're kind of unleashing a huge um, group of people to engage in social. What are you doing to manage that risk? Thank you very much. I'm going to read one more piece from this, and then, Sherelle, I'll get you into comment. Mike also says in his notes, even in unregulated markets, it takes only one post out of a 1,000 to compromise a brand. NLP, natural language processing, can take a lot of that risk out by scanning the communications that flow through social media at a speed that fully manual supervision can never match, enabling bigger and bigger regulated companies to fully deploy digital selling initiatives <clears throat> through AI technology. Sherelle, you want to comment on that, agree or disagree, at the risk and the use of AI I, to mitigate the risk? I completely agree. Um, I just want to also add that um, the thing with artificial intelligence, even though it is a necessity because it does some of the heavy lifting when it comes to identifying trends and things like that, but the psychology behind those trends are or behind why those trends are happening is something only a human 
person can accurately diagnose. So AI cannot discern if a customer is frustrated or upset or confused. It can only analyze data, and that's where it's a tool in conjunction with social selling. Thank you very much. Anything else you want to add about the concept of that risk and scaling to meet that risk? Any thoughts on that? Um, no, no <clears throat> thoughts on that. Okay, fair enough. Kirsten, let's get you in on this, please. A lot, a lot of good stuff on the table now. What do you think? Uh, I think uh, utilizing AI to manage risk is a great idea. I think there, there's a lot of opportunity there to um, to really understand what's going on in the world, seeing the trends happening, and then being able to diagnose, as Sherelle said, you know, diagnose um, the, the underlying why are people panicking? Are people are are people, um, you know, st- thinking strategically? What's going on to be able to to um, react appropriately? I think is always a, a great um, strategy to to hand, to um, employ. There's Thank a ton you of very things m- that we can be doing. Yeah. Um, to to really leverage all that information that's coming in. Very important. Mike Orr, any thoughts, closing thoughts on this particular topic? I think we had some good comments from your co-panelists. What do you think? For sure. And and I think this is another, an example of sort of one of the other um, points that I like to make where you want to try to understand AI by applying it in a few different areas. Um, you know, be focused around if it's natural language processing or machine learning, um, but can you use it to uh, to, to try to manage risk, to try and find opportunity, to try to, for example, help you fill out RFPs or find the best content to share or find some different applications of it. And in that way, you'll get a better understanding of where where is the real value in AI for my social selling. Thank you. Very good advice. We appreciate that. This wasn't a tips and tricks topic, but I think we just got a really good tip. Advice to digital sellers. This is what I'm putting in my tweet, Mike. Advice to digital sellers from Mike Orr, Grapevine 6. Uh, try different applications to use AI to understand where the real value is. Is that fair enough? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Even, Thank even you for using Alexa is you know, a, good, a good training ground for salespeople to understand what the potential is. Thank you very much. Sherelle, looking at your notes here, here's something I, I like to go on the a uh, little bit of the negative slash contentious side here. I think this is important. We just covered, we just branched that into the risk area with Mike Orr's comment. Let's look at something here. You say the customer journey is so important because the level of trust and loyalty the customers have in vendors today is deteriorating. We're able to diagnose and repair those paradigms through social listening. Let's talk about where AI can help rebuild that trust, build that loyalty. Is it easy? Is it hard? How's it being done? Sherelle, give us a clue, please. I think it's going to be difficult. I think because you have to actively participate. When people hear the word AI or artificial intelligence, they think it's going to do all of the work for you. And like I mentioned before, it can do some of the heavy lifting, but there has to be that human interaction um, where we can diagnose and repair paradigms through social listening. We can take a look at what our clients and customers are doing, but we have to hyper-personalized campaigns through AI. So they give us the information and we have to decode it and give it back to our customers in a way that they know we care. So we have to manipulate the data that we're getting from artificial intelligence. We have to address their needs in a way that they're confident that we care. 
Um, we're not just trying to sell to them. Anyone can do that. They want an experience that they can remember and that they won't mind sharing with their colleagues and their customers. They want an experience that's much better than their competition's experience. AI will help us with determining who is doing what, what the analytics are, but the program that they are a part of must feel original and special and customized. And if it doesn't, we're just like everybody else. So basically, we have all the tools, but the question is who has the best experience. Interesting. And Sherelle, let's expand that just a little before I bring in Kirsten and Mike. And the, the expansion I'm looking for is to people, I, I mentioned in my opening that somebody on my team was debating whether a certain response they got online was from or on a phone call was from a bot or a human being. And it was so close to human that the team was split when they heard, when they saw visually the text of that response. Do you think people are amused or confounded or become distrustful. What do you mean that was a bot talking to me? I wanted to talk to her. And I know Kirsten said we are very often are given the option, but when you don't know which it is, do you think people are amused and intrigued? Wow, what a modern company I'm dealing with. Or like, seriously, you fooled me? So talking about distrust, do you think that plays a role, Sherelle? I think it does, Bonnie, and I think it's very, very closely related to the generation that you're from. Um, uh, and yes. for instance, maybe a millennial will be amused that that was so close to human interaction that that's amazing that that company is so innovative. However, someone from an earlier generation may feel frustrated because they may have disclosed some personal information or thought that they were actually talking <sighs> with someone, and there, then there's a level of distrust. So I think it's directly related or very closely related to the generation that you're you're from. Wow, that was a phenomenal response, Sherelle. You're uh, you're a thousand percent right. I am HO in my humble opinion. Kirsten, let's get you to chime in and then we'll go around to Mike or what do you think? Agree or disagree with Sherelle? Kirsten? I love what Sherelle just said about um, is being closely related to the generation. Now, I think there are expe- exceptions to that. I believe that there are some people who are perhaps in the, um, you know, the more mature generations who will be amused because they have always been um, big adopters of technology just due to their own personality. Uh, and there are some in the younger, uh, not, uh, less mature generations, I'm not sure how to say that, um, who still, who don't like social media. My son, actually, who is, uh, will be turning 17 this month, he actually doesn't use much social media. He uses one social media channel uh, to chat back and forth with his girlfriend and a couple of other friends. He doesn't, he doesn't use social media, um, wow. which I find is so interesting, you know, and he's, and, um, he's, he's a big technology adopter, but not social adopter. So there are definite um, uh, variances within each of the generations, I do believe. Very, Kirsten, very interesting. A, yeah, go ahead. I, I just want to, I, I kind of want to chime in what you said, Kirsten. I, our kids are around the same age, and it's funny because my kid is totally immersed in social. And, you know, we have to, my husband and I, being from a different generation, kind of give her the human experience. Go outside and ride your bike. Get off the phone. Let's do something where we're talking, you know. So I, I think that's great that he's not so much social because it's healthy. He's, you know, we, we have to monitor social around here. Very interesting. <laughs> Mike Orr, we've got a good, healthy debate going on here. What do you think, Mike? Jump in. The water's warm. Indeed. 
so I, I think the I think the most important thing um, Cheryl said was around experience. So it doesn't necessarily matter to me how the experience is delivered, but it has to be, you know, the best experience that I can have. Uh, that's the measure. And if that is delivered by human or computer, um, as long as the information is accurate and, and I have a, you know, the experience um, is rewarding and I get the value out of it, um, I, I'm, not, I'm not picky about how I get my information or how that experience happens. I think there is a measure to, of quality that you have to introduce into any process um, where you're going to apply AI to, uh, to judge whether that, that experience is um, as effective as you want it to be. And, and then I think the other one is trust. Like you need to, um, you can't deceive people. Um, you want to be open and transparent. And, you know, those, that cultural shift will happen, um, but you don't want to try and trick people into it. Very interesting. Sherelle, what a great conversation you started there a few minutes ago. Any comments on what uh, Kirsten and or Mike shared with us? I think we wrapped it up pretty well. I just, um, I like, I really like seeing the different paradigms. I think we're all agreeing, but there's different, we sort of have a different flavor on each of um, our views on AI and social selling and how it connects. Um, But I do think we're all saying the same thing. It has to be a level of trust there, whether they trust that the information is accurate and they're okay with the artificial intelligence or whether they trust that the company that's utilizing artificial intelligence is being forthcoming. We, we, you know, we all agree that there's the, the trust is the main factor there. Thank you very much. Sherelle, I'm going to also bring in something here from your notes that I think is uh, very interesting. I'm not sure we introduced this human word. Let me just read this for a second. Sherelle says, whether you're in sales, marketing service, or HR, we're going to need to be connected with the right people so we can get connected to the right people. Okay. Business relationships are essential for successful interactions. And here's where Sherelle adds, AI could never do this. Yes, there can be algorithms to for support and recommendations, but the real work can only be done without that tech piece. AI is smart, but it's not compassionate. Let's go around the table, starting with you, Sherelle. We have just, oh, we're at the predictions round. You know what? Let's use this as the basis for our predictions, our crystal ball. I'll start with you, Sherelle, then I'll work backwards the other way around the table to Mike, and we'll end with Kirsten because we started with her. AI is smart, but it's not compassionate. So let's fast forward to, oh, between 2020 and 2025. Will AI get to be compassionate? Let's use this as the basis. So 60 seconds, Sherelle Robinson-Brown. Predictions, will AI be compassionate by then? Go ahead. I think that AI will be smarter, but it will never be compassionate. Compassion takes, um, uh, I think it takes a uh, level of having the same experience as someone else and realizing that this person could be experiencing something that I have experienced and that relatable piece. So it will Mm -hmm. never be compassionate, but it will definitely be smarter. There are going to be things where we will never be able to tell whether that was artificial intelligence or bot or a human person because it will be so smart. It's going to start to collect data. People that normally call in the middle of the night to a cable company are probably having technical difficulties. So we're going to start to route these calls to a certain department. So we're going to be able to collect all of that data, but it'll never be compassionate. I don't don't think that's my prediction. (laughs) Interesting. Mike Orr, chime in. What's your prediction? Where is AI headed? More human or just going to be bot-like? 
Uh, I think it'll definitely be be more human. I think um, in certain media, uh, the, the it'll be tougher and tougher to tell the difference. You'll be able to um, you'll be able to you know program compassion to some degree. The question I think that it's interesting is whether that's going to matter, like whether anyone's going to actually be able to use that um, to again to the extent that it helps their customers. Um, I don't think anyone's going to be able to get away with replacing a whole bunch of people with, um, with, with robots because um, people aren't going to trust the robots, even if they're able to mimic compassion. Um, you may not be able to tell the difference, but companies would be taking a huge risk to, to try and trick people into those conversations. Um, and so I think the technology will, will get there. It's the applications that are, I'm not really sure about, and, uh, and I'm not sure how far anyone's going to go with it. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. Kirsten, come talk to me. Prediction, what do you see? Yeah, I I, I think I would have to say that I, I can't imagine that um, a bot will be um, completely human-like. I suspect that they will get closer and closer to that human emotional response, but yet there will always still be a difference. And um, because like Sherelle said, you have to have had, um, you know, uh, experienced life in such a way that uh, that's similar to the person that you're trying to build a relationship with in order to 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 be um, somewhat compassionate or empathetic. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to have had the exact same um, experience and and perhaps uh, a bot will be infused somehow. Technology is not my my strong suit um, with you know that kind of emotion um, coded with it, however you might want to say that. Uh, but I just I still feel like there's going to be there will be a separation because otherwise, uh, and I, and I would be afraid honestly if if it truly became uh, human like. Uh, I think that there's huge ethical uh, implications to that, and I think there there could be a lot of issues um, with the human race if that was to truly happen. Interesting. The human race, that's a big concept. Thank you very much. I Googled <laughs> the future of bots and social selling just for the heck of it because we have a, a, a minute left, and I found all interesting articles. One is, Are Bots the Future of Sales? This was a Forbes article this past January, January 4, 2018. Here's one called, Why Social Media Chatbots Are the Future of Communication. That's medium.com. Here's one on the future of chatbots for social media at falcon.io. Uh, here's another one, The Rise of Chatbots and Their Implications for Social Media. That's back in 2017. And How and Why Chatbots Will Dominate Social Media Marketing. That's from September 2017, chatbotsmagazine.com. Kristen, did you know there was a chatbotsmagazine.com website? No, I had no idea. <laughs> well, now we all do. You never know what I'm going to find when I'm tooling around looking for interesting things. I want to thank the three of you so much. Kirsten, thanks for jumping in. Always very happy to have you on the show. Mike Orr, it's a pleasure. I hope you'll come back. Such great insights from you. And Sherelle Robinson-Brown, you really rocked us with some of those comments today, Sherelle. Always welcome as well. And a get well again to Perry Van Beek. Perry, you missed a great conversation, but Kirsten was a worthy replacement, uh, a worthy stand-in, we'll say. That's the polite way to say it. So thank you. And Michael and Labati, thank you also for almost being on standby to fill in the panel. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is been a great show. We are bracing 
for the storm here in North Carolina, but I'm assuming we'll be able to do our full list of live Game Changers radio shows this week. So wishing me luck out to buy a backup battery for my iPhone because I, I don't think there are any more uninterruptible power supplies left in the Raleigh-Durham area. It's too close to storm time. So we have had a great conversation here on social selling and AI, human or robot. Think about it. Have you been speaking to a robot, a chatbot recently? You may never know the answer. So here's my call to action. A shout out to AJ uh, Arif at SAP who works with series sponsor Kirsten Barlow to put together these wonderful panels. AJ, great job as always in Aaron at World Talk Radio, our engineer extraordinaire on the business channel. There is finally my call to action. Get with it already, Bonnie. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, right now, just like Kirsten Barlow at SAP, just like Mike Orr at Grapevine 6, and just like Sherelle Robinson Brand at SAP. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with Social Selling, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.